Welcome to the Restoration Counseling Podcast. It's not for therapists, it's for everybody. I'm your host, professional counselor, Jared Pogue. Not everybody needs counseling, but certainly everybody needs a little help every now and again. Well, it's great to have you back. Well, actually, I I guess it's great for me to be back with you, however you want to look at it. Uh, Either way, I'm always excited to be recording the podcast and encapsulating the present moment in an audio format with you. If I haven't stressed this enough in the last few weeks, I just want to say thanks for listening. This week, I'll be posting up part two of my interview with professional marriage counselor Kyle Susenbeck. If you missed part one, do yourself a favor and right now go listen to the first podcast before jumping in here to part two. If you don't, you'll be missing out on some crucial content. Be very confused. Um, So just go do that right away. In part two, we get to hear more about Kyle's personal connection and struggle with existentialism. Kyle also offers a load of helpful tips for a lot of us through his, well, personal honesty and professional insights. With that said, enjoy today's show. they want to be home with their family more so they're, they're depressed because they can't get what they want right what do you offer to them when they come in I imagine it's a lot more than simply won't stop working so much yeah yeah absolutely um, so I mean once maybe let's say we have the foundation of kind of the, the basic you know who do you at the end of your life who's, who do you want to be you know who do you want people to say that you are or who do you feel like God has made you to be and if they begin to identify some of those things of well, I want to be a great father. I want to be a, a husband. I think that there can be some danger of men oftentimes embracing work as a way to love, hmm. to provide. And my, my heart very much, and I believe that um, many children and wives around the world would also agree that so much of the time they just want time with, with, that, with that husband. And so yeah. it can be trying to identify, okay, what's the best way for you to love these individuals, um, for, you to, for you to love your children, your family, and so how do we, how do we balance life and work, and how do we uh, pursue really intentional things of, it, it can be kind of a hard pill, it can be a hard pill to swallow to say, what, if, what my children want most is me. Hmm. Uh, I think that can be a lot of, a lot of times really difficult uh, and yet, you're, if you're identifying, I want to be a great father and a great husband, yeah. then those two things can coincide very easily. Um, so, yeah, and I, think, I think that's kind of where I would, I would go with that. Yeah, no, I, I, think that's, I think that's good. You also work in marriage counseling, correct? Yeah, I do, yeah. I mean, how does existentialism sort of interact with marriage and, and marriage counseling on the whole? Yeah, well, absolutely. So... I typically won't. I typically won't begin here. Um, sure. I won't begin with existentialism for a, a couple, uh, whether there's conflict or an affair or whatever the difficulty may be going on. But I think that it can be really a really great way to create some shared meaning. 
to identify, okay, what are, what are our family roles and traditions? What are, our, uh, what are the ways that, what, what are the kind of things that we as a family want to stand for? Um, what, what are most important to us? Whether that's, you know, we want to have family dinners five nights a week, or we want to have uh, church and our faith be a really important part of our family as we raise our children. Um, we want to have affection and joviality and fun yeah. to be kind of themes of our, of our marriage and of our, our family. And even, you know, we want our marriage to be a priority. So, uh, you know, a lot of that is kind of identifying what are the highest priorities for you and your spouse and where can you all come together to say, yes, these are the, we, these are the things we agree upon and it can be a kind of a shared vision for us. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, tell me more about this shared vision. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe these are examples, maybe these are just the basic ideas for a lot of people, I don't know if they've sort of crafted a, a shared vision as a, as a couple. Yeah. Uh, what, what might that look like? So similarly, as I mentioned before, you know, with, with a, the idea of if an individual comes into me and says, so my question may be to him, at the end of your life, who do you want to be? Yeah. Um, who do you want to be, what do you want to be known as? I think th that a couple can sh have that same sort of question asked them. That hmm. at the end of your life, you as a couple, what do you want to, what do you want to be known for? Perhaps it's raising your children really, really well. Perhaps it's hosting friends and family. Perhaps it's pouring into other couples or your, you know, whatever it may be for you. Maybe you want to travel the world together. Maybe you want to have uh, family traditions that are that are rich and yeah. creative and, and colorful. Whatever they, they may be for you, but having a shared vision can allow the two of you to really create some understanding with each, with each of you. Um, yeah. I, I believe that you know, there, when you're attracted to, to someone, there's a reason for it. I think sometimes that reason for it is, is shared passion. And, uh, yeah. So to be able to identify those things uh, can give really some, some freedom to open up to, to pursue things with a lot of uh, just shared joy and satisfaction. Depends on the individual. I I know that many 
who are introverts would maybe be terrified to like find a friend and go connect with them and begin sure. to ask these questions. Sure. So for that, that could be even journaling, just you know, identifying some of these questions of you know, who has God made me to be? Or what do I want most out of life? Yeah. Uh, at the end of my life, maybe when I stand before God, what do I want to have been able to accomplish? Hmm. Um, I think that these are questions that can sometimes feel really overwhelming. I remember when I was, I was 17 years old and I started jotting down everything that I loved to do. Hmm. And I, I wrote down, you know, talking about marriage. I, I wrote down talking uh, with friends, having deep conversations. I wrote, um, I wrote about hosting. I wrote about, I mean, all these different things. And the two things I came up with was either a marriage counselor or a host of a bed and breakfast. <laughs> and so I thought that realistically it made more sense for me to do counseling and so I've pursued that um, but I think that anyone at any time can you know find a journal and begin to write down these things and maybe that's characteristics for you that you know I want to be, I want to be kind I want to be gentle or genuine or authentic whatever it may be for you to to take the time to, to write these things down now if you're more like me maybe you're more of an extrovert I went through some of that stuff with my family and hmm. I think it's very important you find safe people, uh, people that you know want the best for you, mm -hmm. uh, that aren't going to maybe mock or belittle kind of your pursuit of this. Uh, but to yeah, to begin to help, to begin to process with those individuals to say, hey, what do you, what characteristics do you see in me, or maybe what you know what natural talents do you see in me? Where do you does this, or maybe even processing with them the things you've identified and say, hey, does this make sense? Does this feel out of the out of left field? Uh, so I think that that can be a really good starting place for somebody that maybe isn't quite as as overwhelming um, whether you do it by yourself or with with somebody who's safe. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, to sort of bookend our conversation, it, it's very interesting. You started off with um, this entire journey has to sort of take place first by having safe what you're identifying as safe people mm -hmm. in your life, and, and and here you are again saying the same exact thing when you start on this process and you're going through these steps. One of the most useful tools to you are these safe people. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I could do a whole episode on what, what are safe people, but I, I think it would suffice to say that one of the things you're stating here is that relationship is probably one of the key, if not one of the, the big tenet of existentialism is it has to do with connection to others. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so and this is like maybe a big takeaway. I probably should talk more about this, but So often we live with facades up. Hmm. We live with masks yeah. up in front of us. Um, that you know, a lot of it's the fear of you know if I am vulnerable before somebody and they reject me, well then they reject me, the core of me. So, but instead I can put up this mask to, um, yeah, to live a safer life. Yeah, um, like deflect pain in a sense, I guess. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, it's. The, the problem with that, though, is we can really go our whole lives without people who really know the, the true us. And, or maybe we don't even know the true us. And so existentialism really encourages, hey, look at these things. Look at who God has made you to be. He's, he's your creator. He wants you to know these things. He's not, you know, he's not ashamed of how he's made you. Um, and so then if you can begin to identify that and walk authentically in that, the, the ultimate goal is to begin to pursue that with relationships as well, to live in authenticity with relationships, to live in vulnerability with, with relationships, and to, because that's the only, that's the only way to live in freedom. Hmm. 
so often it's, it's so much of the difficulty I can have with couples is couples not being willing to articulate their needs because it's scary because maybe they've tried and it's not safe. And so yeah. obviously that's, that's on me to try to help the couple to you know, take little baby steps to begin to meet each other's needs once again. Um, but with, the, with this idea of authenticity, it is also to recognize our needs for one another. If, you know, I, can't, I cannot do this life alone, I can't. And so it means me being able to go to my safe friends who I can articulate and say, hey, like, I need you guys. I need time with y'all. I need uh, connection and intimacy. And that can be a scary thing, but if you can identify people who give you the benefit of the doubt, who, who want the best for you, who really want this flourishing of, of life that I've been trying to hint at, then you can, you can have, I think, just a richness of relationships that isn't available otherwise. Hmm. And I imagine you had a lot of that during your time in India. Uh, we didn't even really get to, to, yeah. to tap into that, but I, I would like to take a little bit of a moment sure. and hear a little bit more about that. Um, it sounded like a very fulfilling thing when you're describing all these boys and you were um, with them, you were living life with them, and they were very important to you. I imagine leaving that had to be also incredibly difficult. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot to that. I, um, it was, it was really difficult because there was a part of me that wondered, when I originally went to India, I almost didn't come back home. I, I went on a kind of a two week trip and I almost didn't come back home because I felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Mm. Um, like that I had so much to offer to, just to love these kids well, um, to love them um, authentically, I guess is the best way for me to say it. But then at the end of, you know, I decided to come back and get my master's and get my license and to try to be able to offer some counseling and some, have some tools to help them. So then when I stayed for six months, I developed a relationship. I mean, I, I lived among them for six months. And so I became, they, in, in Telugu, they would call me Anaya, which means older brother. And oh. it, it was just kind of a, a symbol of affection from them. And so then to leave, and for a lot of them to not be even old enough to understand why I was leaving, mm. uh, it, was, it was really difficult. I, you know, it's tough, but at the same time, like I, I believe that right now this is where I'm supposed to be. I mm. trust in the work that I'm doing here, counseling, and I really believe in this is where God has me. Trust is where he wants me to be. For some people, I think trust is easier yeah. than others. I'd say I know for yeah, yeah, yeah. people it can be. How do you get people who are typically, let's say, less trusting yeah. to have that sort of trust that they are doing the thing they need to be doing? Well, I want to clarify that I don't sure. believe everyone is doing the thing. Okay, they're that's they're a good place. So, I mean, I, I do believe in disobedience. I do believe that you can not be doing what God wants you to do. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I 
I, in my relationship with God, I have seen him consistently to be very gentle and kind to me. Yeah. Um, to be a good father. And so that's the experience that I'm pulling from. And I understand that some people don't have that conception of God. Sure. Um, and that can be rooted in a lot of different things. Um, but I guess my encouragement, my challenge is to, one of my favorite verses ever is John 10, 10. And it's, you know, it's this idea of the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. But I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. And I believe very powerfully, very strongly that God really desires us to live abundant lives. And in that, I believe he desires to interact with us, to respond to us, to when we're, when we're asking these questions, when we're crying out and saying, God, like, why have you made me this way? Or what have you made me for? Yeah. I believe he, whether he responds to you verbally or in other, you know, more mystical forms of communication or seemingly not at all, I believe that it is, the only thing we can do is to seek him mm-hmm. and that it's up to him to, to respond. And I believe he will. I mean, I, that's a promise over and over in scripture. Um, but to, to be willing to trust that in the midst of, you know, sometimes not understanding things or not really even being able to make sense of the suffering that we're going through. Yeah. Um, to, to really strive to pursue obedience in the ways that you know how and then to trust that um, God's going to show you kind of where you need to go and what you need to do if things need to change. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, I could probably pull on that subject all day, but that's yeah, yeah. not what we're, we're here to talk about. Yeah. Um, we're sort of wrapping up the interview for sure. today. So I wanted to see if you had any sort of uh, final notes or, or things mm-hmm. you sort of wanted to, uh, maybe you didn't get to, that you want to um, go ahead and, and sort of throw in here. Um, I think my, my biggest encouragement in my, you know, my generation, I'm a millennial, and... My, my generation, and maybe even more so the generation coming, is really consumed with the appearance of things. Hmm. Consumed with whether it's social media or uh, trying to look a certain way or be a certain way. Or existentialism at its core, and I believe the gospel at its core, wants to push all that aside. And yeah. wants to, you know, it wants to get at the heart of anyone and to say, hey, you have worth and value in yourself, and you don't need that to be affirmed from other people. Mm-hmm. Your identity is rooted in, in who God is, and who he, who he has made you to be. And so, I think that's my, that's my biggest encouragement, is just to maybe to wake up a little bit, to, to, to try this out, to try to maybe engage with some of these questions, even if they seem scary, Yeah. and to, to trust that God wants you to find these answers. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. I think it's good. It sounds like it really honors the uh, innate dignity of people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, we could go there. And, yeah, I even, yeah, but I, absolutely, it, it honors that. Yeah, that's good. Well, um, thank you for time today. Thank you for um, um, enlightening a lot of information about existentialism. I, I know it's going to leave us all, I hope, a lot to think about. Yeah, I hope it's helpful for people at it's an exciting topic, and so it's maybe easy for me to stay up here, but I sure I hope it's Thank you for joining us for the Restoration Counseling Podcast. 
Our podcast is a product of Restoration Counseling of Atlanta, located in Roswell and Woodstock, Georgia. If you'd like to ask questions or inquire about counseling, please feel free to do so. You can email us at info at restorationcounselingatl.com. Again, that's info at restorationcounselingatl.com. If you'd like to contact Jared, please feel free to email him at jared, J-A-R-E-D, at restorationcounselingatl.com. Thank you.